Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What Do You Call It podcast. I'm your host, GB, and today's guest, well, he proved that real men wear skirts. He's a former NWA tag team champion. He's a former WWF tag team champion, and he's one half of the Headbangers. It's Headbanger Mosh, a.k.a. Chaz Warrington. How are you doing today, sir? Are you okay? I'm doing awesome. Doing tremendous. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Uh, reason I've got a bit of a smile on my face, um, as I said just before recording this, I was a genuine Headbangers fan, uh, so this is pretty cool for me to be speaking to you now, um, as a fan and as a podcaster, so this should be good. So I want to go back to the beginning, uh, just before uh, you did get into wrestling, I just want to know what actually made you a wrestling fan. Um, yeah, I watched growing up, I don't know if I was a hardcore fan, I was probably borderline being a real fan, like a hardcore fan. Um, I mean, I used to go over, I, I watched it on Saturday mornings. A lot of times I just kind of fast forward to matches because that's when they were just all squash matches. And mm. I was more into the promos. I like watching the interviews and the promos. But yeah, I'd go over, um, I grew up in South Jersey. I'd take the speed line and the subway over to Philly to catch it over at the Spectrum and go, you know, every, every few times a month or a few times a year, I'd go over and watch it. So yeah, guess I was a fan. Okay, cool. And who was some of your favorite wrestlers? Um, when you were a fan, was there uh, um, sort of any favorites I mean, that you had? Yeah, yeah you know, as a, as a kid, you always bought into Hogan. But then the Ultimate Warrior, but my all-time favorite was uh, the Macho Man. Absolute, positively, all-time favorite, hands down, Macho Man. Three of the biggest names of the Golden Era. That's a good choice, that is. Yeah. So, uh, so basically, when you did get into wrestling, you trained um, under Larry Sharp and your future tag team partner. Um, I'm going to have to say Thrasher, just because that's sort of how I know him. <laughs> and um, it was in the Monster Factory, uh, which is one of the, it's produced some of the quality wrestlers that we all know now as fans. Uh, the late Bam Bam Bigelow, Godfather, Raven, and yourself. So I just want to know, how did you get there? And what was it like for you? So the school was actually about 10 minutes from where I lived. Oh, and, right. <laughs> and they used to, so it was in, it was in, it called the Route 30 Mart. It was a, in basically kind of a, a flea mart. And um, I'd drive by and every now and then there'd be a big truck out front, spray painted and scraggly, nasty handwriting would say pro wrestling this Saturday at 8 p.m. So finally one Saturday, I didn't really have anything going on and I decided to go in and um, watch. And then from there, after the show, the heavyweight champion at the time was this goofball called the Spider. And um, so after the show, him and I started talking and it turns out the Spider was Glenn Thrasher, my partner. Um, so we knew of each other from high school because our high schools wrestled one another. So oh, okay. we, started, we started chatting and uh, he was like, hey, you should come down and try out. And I was like, nah, because at that point I was still wrestling a little bit in college. Um, I went to just a little junior college. and I was wrestling a little bit in junior college and I was maybe 185 pounds, 190 pounds tops. And he was like, no, the best time to learn is when you're smaller as you put weight on. It's easier to learn as you put weight on. So if it's something, you know, you think you'd want to do, he's like, you know, we're having a tryout next week, you know, come down to the tryout and just check it out. And he goes, you know, just because you're trying out doesn't mean you're going to make it because Larry Sharp didn't take everybody that came through the doors, um, you know, and, and, and who had a tryout. So um, I was like, yeah, what the hell? What the hell? Let, me, let me try it. So I went down. It was actually Larry Sharp's daughter um her school was having like a field trip there so i get in the ring and there's like 30 kids sitting around the <laughs> ringside all screaming and yelling but so there was i think there was five or six of us at the tryout and he accepted two of us and i was one of them 
Um, and I thought Glenn was kind of just, you know, blowing smoke up my ass about not taking everybody. But, um, yeah, no, he only took two of us out of the five or six that were there. That's cool, man. I did actually know, like, you two actually know each other even before that sort of, um, you know, sort of nature from school. Um, you actually appeared on Raw quite early on in your career um, as an enhancement talent. Um, I just want to know, what was that like for you? Was it quite scary? Um, did you find that there were some experienced wrestlers that were very helpful for you? Just want to know what's that process like for you? Um, well, for me, it was um, it was really crazy because I was only training at Demonstrative Factory for three weeks. Mm -hmm. And WWF was in town, or WWE. Um, they were in town, and Glenn came to me and said, hey, so WWF's in town, and, you know, they do the, the Superstars um, TV tapings. He goes, so when they're in town, they use Larry's guys. He goes, I've been doing it for years. He goes, um, so you're going to come with us and, you know, we're going to go and we're going to hang out. And we're going to have a good time. And I was like, I am nowhere ready to be doing any kind of <laughs> three weeks. I barely knew how to bump. I barely knew how to hit the ropes. I hadn't thrown a punch. I hadn't done anything offensive whatsoever. Yeah. And he's like, don't worry about it. He said, they won't use you because they've never seen you before. He said, so you'll go up there. They'll see your face. He goes, you're going to get a paycheck. It's going to be a good time. So you're coming. And I went. Okay, so um, I went to work. I took some time off from work for those couple of days, and um, there it was. It was, I think, it was the first night was in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, and I'm sitting there, and they roll out the big whiteboard, and there it is. It says Adam Bomb versus Chaz Ware, and I went. Thought they weren't going to use me. And Glenn goes, "Well, I guess they're going to use you." So, You're here now, so <laughs> there it was. Really? Three weeks into my training, I end up in a WWF ring getting taped for TV. Literally. So it was, uh, it was awesome. That is awesome, though. Like, three weeks into the business, and you're literally on national television, which takes people years to do. Um, yeah. So that, that's pretty cool, man. What was Adam yeah. like? Was he all right with you? It was, it was surreal. It was crazy. Um, I was like, I used the phrase all the time, duck on a pond. So if you watch a duck, it's going across a pond. It's nice and smooth. It doesn't, you know, it's just current. But underneath, its feet are going like this. So that was me. On the surface, I was kind of trying to act kind of cool. But on the insides, my insides were turning like this because it was crazy. But I'm, I'm sitting in a locker room. And here come the Steiner brothers. And Scott Steiner's changing and walking around naked. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, there's Sonny and there's this one and, you know, there's Papa Shango and, you know, and I'm mm. looking at all these guys just going, holy cow, there's the Heart Foundation. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I don't belong here. And then, um, like I said at the beginning, Macho Man's my favorite. Mm. So we're standing out in the hallway and you hear him walking down the hall. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, here comes Macho Man. And I was just like freaking out. I was like, oh, shit. So as he gets like three feet away from me, Glenn decides to uh, shove me directly into him, and I almost knocked him over. <laughs> so that, that, that was a little crazy, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's like, oh, no, it's, don't worry, kids, don't worry about it. And he just, like, kept walking, and I was like, you dick. But it worked out even better because, you know, I'm getting ready to go out to the, going out to the ring, and I'm standing mm -hmm. right behind Gorilla, and I'm pacing back and forth. And then all of a sudden, I hear this, First time here, kid, and I turn around. There was Macho Man, and I was like, uh, I was again. So I was like, I, I, I like, I couldn't, couldn't talk. Mm. And I'm like, yes, sir. And he's like, oh, he goes, don't worry about it. He goes, you'll do fine. And I'm like, okay, thank you. And he's like, you know what? I have nothing going on right now. He goes, I'm going to stand right here and I'm going to watch. 
And I was like, no, no, you don't, that's okay. He's like, no, no, no. He goes, I want to watch. So I was like, okay. So I go out and I do the match with Adam Baum and Johnny Polo's with him. And I'm out there trying not to laugh because I'm walk out and I'm amazed that I'm in, you know, in an arena with 15,000 people in a WWF ring. Yeah. So like amazed. So I get done and I go through the back and I walk through the curtain and there he was right there where he said he would be. There was Macho Man. He put his arm around my shoulder and said, kid, for the first time, that was amazing. He goes, you're going to make money in this business one day. And he slapped me in the head and walked off. So, That's I mean, awesome. talking about, you know, a surreal night of spring, you know, then meeting, you know, someone who was my favorite mm. um, growing up and then to have that quick little conversation with them. Yeah, it's crazy. Getting asked for a better start and like the biggest company in the world at the time. So just that's awesome, man. And just yep. to sort of give him a thumbs up for Macho, man. That's wicked. So I want to know, yep. um, how is it that you and... Sorry, I have to say, I have to keep saying it, Thrasher. Because um, I haven't got to the headbangers yet. But how did you and Thrasher actually become a tag team? Because you did work as the Spiders and then the Flying Nuns. Who actually came up with the idea to put you two as a tag team? It was actually Glenn's idea. So Glenn had been around for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um just doing single stuff. And, you know, he was really well known in that Northeast area and, you know, Jersey and New York and Delaware area. That's where Larry ran. So he was Larry's guy. He was Larry's heavyweight champ. So, but, you know, he was going up to TV and doing jobs and and doing so well right off the bat. Um, yeah. We just clicked. And as I put, to put weight on, our bodies were similar. There was, we just got along so well and there was a lot of similarities. He just said to me, he said, because uh, then I did... This is probably, I started in June of 93, was probably that September, October, he had gotten hurt. Um, hurt his back, had a herniated disc. And then, so he wasn't around for a little bit. And then he came back and he was like, you know what? And he goes, why don't we do a tag team? And at that point, you know, Glenn was the trainer at the school. Glenn was the man. Like everyone down at that school wanted to, he always wanted to be around Glenn. He just had that energy and that, that, um, he was kind of like a magnet. Like he, he always had the center of attention mm. and, you know, and he was, and he was good. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, for me to, for him to ask me to be, you know, to tag with him was amazing. And, you know, it would have been stupid at that point for me to say no. So I'm like, yeah, of course. So it was actually Glenn's idea. So he decided we were going to be the spiders. He was spider one and I was spider two. And that's how it happened. And we started doing that. I think it was in November or December of 93 and then we did a couple of shows and Jerry Lawler was at one of the shows and Glenn had known of Lawler from, you know, going up to WWF before. Mm-hmm. And um, we started talking to him at one of the shows and then took us to Memphis. In April of 94, we packed up the car and we moved to Memphis. What was Memphis like for so you? It was all kind of quick. Now, I can imagine like you've just literally, what, a year into the business, mm-hmm. you know, you've really literally been on national television. You're still sort of early in, but you've really got a tag team. You're really going to Memphis. And what was, I just want to know, what was Memphis like for you? Um, did you like the area? Did you sort of like where it is you were wrestling? I mean, I was greener than dog shit still. So, I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a learning experience. It was a huge, it was life-changing. Um, mm. the, the biggest thing is what a lot of people don't realize is back then we had all territories. You know, we had USWA, you had Smoky Mountain going on. Um, you had a, a territory in, in Texas going on. So there was these territories all over the place. Mm-hmm. But each territory was different. Um, the style in the Northeast where I was training was the baby face listened to the heel. The heel ran the match. The heel called the spots. 
The heel gave you hope spots. The heel told you when to fight back and all that stuff. Mm. In Memphis, the style was totally different. It was, if you wanted something, you took it. You had to go out. You had to you just call your own spot. You had to cut somebody off. So the first night in, we wrestled Reggie B. Fine and Doug Gilbert. And they put Burt Prentice with us as a manager. So we go out and we do all the spots. And then they're getting the heat on me. And they're getting the heat on me. He keeps going. <laughs> keeps going. <laughs> so finally, Burt Prentice starts screaming at me to fight back. Now, I'm thinking he's our manager at ringside. So he's just part of he's part of it. And he's just cheering me on. And so we got in the back and I got ripped um, for I wasn't fighting back. You know, I wasn't calling spots. I, I wasn't doing anything except just getting bumped around. But again, that's the style I was used to. Mm. So leave that night and we started heading because the tour then was what they did was memphis on monday louisville kentucky which was six hours away was on tuesdays so we get in the car and we're driving and i said to glenn i'm like i'm not ready for this i'm like let's just go home like let's go home and let me get some more time and he's like no you'll be fine you'll be fine and ended up being fine ended up working out i mean you know then we got we got to meet the rotten brothers axel and we got super close with them and then all the other talent coming in. And, you know, you got to, got to learn from Jerry Lawler and yeah. Bill Dundee and Gilbert. And then the Eliminators came in. And I got to learn from Axel and Ian because we ended up, all ended up moving, moving in together. So, I mean, it was literally three and a half months was life-changing. When I left to go – when Glenn and I left to go to Memphis, and then I think we were there for three or four months, and then we went back to the Monster Factory – even all the guys at the Monster Factory were like, whoa, like you're a totally different person than you were before. So it was legit life-changing. It was amazing. So it was a very good experience and it was worth it. No, that's that's pretty cool, man. I'd just like to know then, so you'd make your way back uh, to WWE, but before we do talk about something I'm going to be smiling about quite a lot, um, just want to know about the Flying Nuns and sort of the idea of it. Was there any long-term plans for it? Where you as Mother Smucker and uh, Sister Angelica? Yeah, and managed by Bruce, uh, Bruce Pritchard, Brother Love. So I just sort of want to know the ideas about it because it was, it was strange, but it was at, the, at that time it didn't look out of place, which is which is quite strange. <laughs> uh, basically, want to know what was the process for that and uh, how was the idea presented to you? It was um, it was one of those things. So our 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 first contracts we signed with WWF were part time deals. Mm -hmm. um, they were still starting to do all these shotgun Saturday nights, and they were doing it live in nightclubs at midnight on Saturday night. And we lived in South Jersey. So it was a two hour drive to get to New York. So we were very fortunate where they're like, okay, we're going to book you guys on all these shows because there's no trans involved. You know, mm. we're going to come up, we're going to get paid. And, um, but they said, so we came in as the headbangers. Vince has a thing. Vince has never been crazy about guys coming in that are already have some kind of gimmick. He likes to create and build people. So, with this whole shotgun Saturday night thing. I'm not sure who came up with the idea, mm -hmm. but they, um, we, we got a, a message one day that we were needed in New York and needed at this fitting place to get new costumes done, new outfits made. And we were like new outfits. Like we wear skirts from the thrift store and ripped up t-shirts, you know, metal t-shirts. And uh, we got there and they start measuring us. We're like, what are we doing? They're like, Oh, so we're making these nun outfits for you guys. We're like, nun outfits? We're like, yeah, we're like, what is this all about? They're like, we don't know. We're just doing as we're told. So they sized us. They made these outfits. They had us come back up. Um, and at that point, we didn't even know about Chuck on Saturday night. 
So they have us go back up on a Saturday to get refitted. Mm -hmm. And they were like, okay, they fit perfect. They're like, okay, here's where you guys need to go now. And that's when they sent us to the nightclub. And we were like, what the hell is going on? So we basically found out when we got to the nightclub where we were wrestling and they were like, yeah, no, this is what we're doing. And we were like, oh, so we were like, are you changing us? And um, Bruce came up to us, Pritchard, and he goes, don't worry about it, guys. He goes, just go with it. And it's going to be one of these crazy things where he goes, you guys are not so far out there, not so weird, but you're so different that we can bring you in. And it's almost going to be like, look, you guys wear skirts. You'll dress as nuns. You don't really care what you'll do. Who knows where you're going to come out as next? Mm. So he goes, I don't know. We don't know how long it's going to last. He goes, just enjoy the ride and go with it. So we were like, okay. So that's what we did. So the Flying Nuns came out. We had one match. We defeated the uh, the Godwins. And to this day, we are still undefeated. undefeated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's one of those gimmicks I had to go back and watch because I didn't really uh, know about it at the time. Headbangers loved it during the Attitude Era. And uh, that's going to be my next topic. And I can't wait. So, Headbangers, big smiles on my face. Yes. Um, basically, how did you, uh, how was it presented? How did, was this presented to you? The name? I know you are uh, a genuine metalhead. Uh, so you, like I've heard you say before that you generally do like that kind of music. So that probably yeah. is why the gimmick sort of works so well. But I just want to know the name and what did Vince think of it? So we actually had it before we got to WWF. Mm -hmm. So what happened was we were wrestling with the Spiders and we were doing a lot of stuff in Knoxville, Nashville, Memphis, Arkansas um, as the Spiders. And then the one company working for in Ozark Mountain Wrestling with Burt Prentice, we were wrestling as the Spiders, obviously. He was bringing in, um, he brought in the Rock and Roll Express for us mm -hmm. to work, which was amazing. And then Ricky and Tracy Smothers were coming in every week. They were driving over and coming in. So we were working them every week. So, and they were working with Cornette in Knoxville all the time with Smoky Mountain. So we started putting tapes together and giving it to them. And they were taking it back to Cornette. Now, Glenn and I knew Cornette more Glenn than me, because we did some shows with him for uh, Dennis Carluzzo with the NWA up in Jersey, you mm. know, a couple before that. So he kind of knew us. Um, so he watched the tape, and then Tracy and Ricky and Robert kept telling Cornette they needed to bring us in. So finally, we got a call one day from Cornette, and he's like, look, I got a spot opening up. Um, I'd like to bring you guys in. He goes, but I hate the masks. He goes, I hate masked wrestlers. Which is funny he said that because when he took us a few years ago and brought us into Ring of Honor, he had us wear masks. But that's a different story. Oh, yeah. Story. Oh, I did. Uh, I about that. Yeah. So anyway, he said, we're like, okay, well, we, we don't care. We don't care. We just want to come there. We want to get the exposure. Mm. Uh, you know, it was literally a few dollars more than we were making a night down there. So we're like, whatever. He goes, all right. And he goes, I have this idea. And this is going to make you laugh. He goes, I was at a Glenn Danzig concert the other night. And I was like, wait a minute, you were at a Danzig concert? I'm like, what the hell are you doing there? Like, <laughs> he's like, I had a friend of a friend. He goes, long story. Uh, but anyway, he goes, he goes, they were, they, he goes, they were beating the shit out of each other. They were doing these, this stage dive and this, this mosh pitting. And they, I mean, he goes, I don't know. They, they, they were dressed weird. They had makeup on. Some people were in dresses and skirts. He goes, it was just crazy stuff. He goes, but. He goes, the way you guys do your tag team moves, he goes, you throw your bodies around. He said, it's, it's like a Northeast thing with your attitudes and, mm. you know, the way you guys talk. He goes, I just think it's, it's, it's a good idea. It's something you could pull off. 
And I was like, uh, he goes, do you know anything about that? And I'm like, yeah. So I used to go to the underground um, in Philly all the time to go. I said, I've been in mosh pits. I've done all of that stuff. I've staged. I go, I know exactly what you're talking about. He goes, he goes, so, you know, he goes, they get tattoos. They have piercings. He goes, extreme. He goes, figure something out. So we're like, perfect. So we show up to TV, the first TV, and we were wearing um, just shorts. And Glenn had sneakers. I had work boots on. And we went and just bought shirts. And Cornette said we got the TV. And Cornette threw me a Slayer shirt. He threw Glenn a Metallica shirt. And he, we put some, we just literally took, and he was like, well, put some makeup on or something. We're like, makeup? I'm like, what are you talking about? So somebody had face paint there. And mm -hmm. he grabbed face paint, and he went like this on our faces. And he goes, there you go. That's what I want you guys to have. So we're like, okay. So we went out there and we did the match. After the match, he said, you're going to go over to Les Thatcher. You're going to do a little interview and um, that'll be it. And we're like, okay. So we did the match. And again, had no idea what we were doing. But he mm -hmm. said, I want you to go out there. He goes, I want you spitting on the fans. He goes, I want you just to be crazy. You guys beat the shit out of each other. Just go out there and do whatever. So we were winging it. So I literally walked up past the front row. Every person I walked by, I spit on them. And when I say spit, I spit right in their face. And oh. it was, they hated it. I thought it was hysterical, so I'm laughing all the time. <laughs> Cornette loved it. I mean, who's getting? how can you get away with spitting on people right in their face? <laughs> so we, we do the match. After the match, we go over to Les Thatcher, and we're standing there, and he's like, so I'm here with the headbangers and you are, and we didn't even know what our names were. We were like, um, I think I'm Mosh and you're something, right? Like we didn't know our names. I mean, that's how like raw it was. Um, and then eventually that's when we came up with Mosh and Thrasher. Um, so yeah, so the whole gimmick was Cornette's idea. Yeah. Uh, and then we kind of just ran with it. And like I said, we were in shorts and just, whatever and i said to glenn that was when pg-13 was real big all over memphis and tennessee and that whole area so and that's what they wore they wore t-shirts with shorts and sneakers so i said we got to do something different so we went to a thrift store and we're walking around the thrift store and i got this this novel idea and i walked over to the women's aisle and i came walking through the store in a skirt and glenn sat me and he goes no he goes i'm not doing it I'm like, dude, buy a skirt. Just we'll try it tonight. We'll see what the reaction is. It's they're like three dollars. Just buy a fucking skirt and let's see what happens. <laughs> so uh, we both showed up at TV with skirts. Everyone in the locker room was like, "What are you guys doing?" We're like, "We're trying something different. Like, we don't know what this gimmick is. We don't. We're gonna try and make it ourselves." And mm. uh, we had no idea. So we went out and we're in the Bible Belt down there and right outside Knoxville, Tennessee, and they hated us. I mean, they were throwing shit at us. They were booing. I mean, here's two guys, face paint on, some kind of makeup on your face, wearing skirts with a Slayer shirt and a Metallica shirt. The heat was ridiculous that we got from the crowd. So we walk into the back and we were like, that was nuts. And Cornette came over and he goes, where did you buy the skirts? We said, the thrift store. He handed us each $20 and he said, go buy more. He goes, you wear skirts now. And we were like, okay, we wear skirts. <laughs> so the, it was his idea and we just kind of grew it into, into something. <laughs> Fucking great. I can imagine that as well, like some of that in Cornette's voice as well. Just like, uh, come in, buy some skirts. 
That's yeah. cool. <laughs> you know. Exactly. But what a way to get heat as well back in those days. I mean, now I wouldn't, you know, but back then, what a way to stand out sort of wearing skirts and, you know, the head banging. Oh, that's cool. that was quality, man. Um, yeah. didn't, didn't know a lot of that. It was fun. And like I said, we just kind of he gave us the, he, he, he gave us the keys to the car and mm. then we just, we ran with it and it was just been fun. Oh, that's, I think that's pretty cool. Cause I think like people do forget just how creative Jim Cornette really is and just think of him as a manager. So for him to be that involved, you know, sort of, uh, the creative. The man, the, the man is brilliant. Mm. Um, I could never, ever, ever say a bad word um, about him. The man, the man's brilliant. He's awesome. I we owe because I mean he's the one who actually got us the got us up into WWF because um, he was up there working as an agent. So mm -hmm. he's the one who got our foot into there with the gimmick and, and the whole nine yards. I mean they already kind of knew who we were, but he was the one who was like, no, went into Vince and said, hey, I got these two guys. I want you to look at them. Mm -hmm. um, and Vince said, well, who are they? And he goes, well, you know him, you know him. He goes, Chaz and Glenn, and they've come up here. They've done enhancement jobs. He goes, they had this headbanger gimmick. He goes, you know, it's kind of different. It's kind of cool. Because I, you know, I, I think it would kind of fit in. And he's like, oh yeah. He goes, they've wrestled as the Spiders up here also. And Cornette was like, yeah. He goes, yeah. You don't need to give him a tryout. He goes, just put him on that part-time contract we have. And that's how we got our. That's how we got our start with the part-time contract. Nah, that's good, man. Um, just before I do talk about the uh, headbanger gimmick, I do want to talk about the finisher. Um, that you two had I just want to know how did you come up with that because it's so good um, I forgot it's called now That's, I feel really embarrassed forgetting the name but where basically you'd hold a position and then Fash would come off and do the leg drop but the timing of it oh I used to love it so much I would try it but I'd always fail yeah so <laughs> actually, actually Glenn dreamt about that he had a dream and he, he always kept a, a pad and paper or a pad and pad and paper same thing a uh, pad and pencil or pen right next to his bed. Mm -hmm. And he woke up and powerbomb leg drop. And he wrote it down. And he went back to sleep. And woke up the next day. We went, we went down to the school. And he goes, I had this dream, powerbomb leg drop. Because we were trying to come up with some kind of finisher to mm -hmm. do. Um, that was different. That stood out, obviously, like everyone tries to do. So then we just started talking about it. And it's funny because D'Lo at the time was down at the school at the Monster Factory also. So he was there and, you know, we're, we're talking through and we're trying to figure it out. And me going up to the top rope back then just wasn't a good option. <laughs> just <laughs> a disaster for whoever I was landing on. It would have been a disaster for me. So we first started with, um, you know, okay, let me do a power bomb, And then he would be right there on the, on, the, on the mat and then do a leg drop. And then we were trying to time it where I do a power bomb and he does like a running leg drop, like jumps in the air and lands on him. Mm -hmm. And it just, it didn't look, it didn't look good. So then we were like, go up to the second rope. So he gets up on the second rope and we tried something and we're like, oh, that's a little bit better. And then I was like, just go up to the, if we're going to do this, it's got to be big, go up to the top rope. So poor D'Lo, he. <laughs> He took that, I kid you not, in a weekend, he had to take that at least 100 times, over and over and over. And I can't tell you how many times either I somehow landed on him because then I was trying to figure out, do I put my legs out? Do I land on my knees? Do I just let him go? So we were trying to figure out all these different things. Mm -hmm. And how many times Glenn sat on his face, Glenn kicked him in the side of the head because we were trying to figure out all the timing. Um, 
But yeah, so Glenn thought about it in a dream. We went down to the school and we played with it and D'Lo actually helped us perfect it by literally taking it probably a hundred times within a weekend. Oh, that's that's really nice of Dale. I hope we got a nice Christmas card from you guys uh, for taking that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's great, man. And basically, in your first year, uh, you got to wrestle some of the best tag teams and some of my personal favorites as well: uh, Legion of Doom, Owen Hart, and Davy Boy Smith, uh, the Godwins, uh, Furnace and Lafon, the Black. I know a lot. I know it wasn't the highlights of their career, but I still liked them. The New Blackjacks. So I just want to know what's it like for you to work with some of these um, tag teams. I mean, it's, it's nuts. I mean, it, it's just crazy. Cause then like, even, you know, we worked the smoking guns, um, mm. you know, doing enhancement matches. Um, they weren't the smoking guns when we got up there on the contract anymore, but um, you know, to, 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 to get in the ring and be standing across from Owen Hart and Davey boy mm. or Davey boy and Bret Hart when we worked Bret and then, or even Vader and mankind. It's like, you know, these are guys, you know, that I watched growing up. Um, the, the, probably the one that blew my mind the most was LOD when, for, for a few reasons. One was we were on the road for about 10 days doing house shows and Glenn and I were winning every night. And this was right before WrestleMania 13. And we were like, this is great. Like we're going over every night and, you know, we weren't used to that. You know, we were always used to losing. Um, and again, Winning and losing didn't matter, but it was just the fact of, okay, this is, we're going in the right direction here. This is awesome. And we walk into the Manhattan Center and there's the run sheet on the wall and it says headbangers versus LOD. And we just went, oh, they're like, well, so much for that. It was LOD's first match <laughs> back leading into WrestleMania. So we were like, fuck. We're like, well, it was fun while it lasted, but whatever. Um, but Animal and Hawker were amazing, and they pulled us aside, and they said, look, we had a long meeting with Vince today. Um, he wants us to work you guys. We're, it's not a squash. We're not going to kill you. We're going to have a good 15-minute match, mm -hmm. um, and it's going to be a double countout or a double DQ. And we're like, you're not – first of all, you're not squashing us, and you're not beating us? They're like, No. Um, and they said, but the one thing we would like to do at the end of the match is get our finisher in. And I'm like, put my hand in the air. I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> I will take that all day long. <laughs> so, yeah, so they were like, you know, Vince is real high on you guys. He sees you guys as the future of tag team wrestling here. And, you know, mm -hmm. so we're just going to go out and we're going to have a real competitive match. You're going to get some heat on us. The only part they didn't tell us that all of our heat was going to be due during a long five-minute commercial break. But whatever. <laughs> it didn't matter at that point either. Um, yeah, so it was awesome, and, you know, to get in the ring with those guys and to learn from them. And, you know, we learned a lot from uh, Ricky and Robert. We worked Ricky and Robert a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, and then in Smoky Mountain, they brought the Heavenly Bodies back with, um, you know, with Tom Pritchard and Jimmy Del Rey. So the guys we were around all the time were just amazing. We were very, very fortunate coming up that we got to take that path to learn from all those guys. And then it gave us time to, especially for me, gave me time to find myself, to figure out who I was. And yeah. then the, the good part with wearing the mask and where it ties back into kind of the headbanger thing is when I had the mask on, it was great because I laughed the whole time. I, I was getting the shit kicked out of me, but I'm laughing the whole time because I was in amazement at what I was doing and where I was doing it. So yeah. the headbanger thing was natural and it wasn't forced. It was easy. That was us. So like when I come to the ring and you see me laughing, that was literally you. 
genuinely. <laughs> I'm laughing smiling, going, holy shit, I can't believe what I'm doing right now. Every time I went through that curtain, I always paused and took it in for a second and was like, and I'd start laughing going, holy shit, I can't believe I'm here. Oh, okay. So that was actually just you, literally. Because I would notice that. Like, you two would just come down. It's like you're in your own little world, coming down a ramp, you spit at the water, and you just like... <laughs> so I had to do that. And yeah. um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the great part about the gimmick. People would say, like, you guys live your gimmick. We're like, well, this isn't a gimmick. This is us. Like, mm. we like to joke around. We like to have a good time. We, we bust balls. We make fun of people. We make fun of each other. That's just, it's what we do. It's what we always did. So it was just a natural, easy thing. And some of the best gimmicks are sort of real life. I mean, Stone Cold was Stone Cold. That's how he always was. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Sean had this, this Shawn Michaels had this, uh, you know, air about himself, how he was better than everyone. It's how he carried himself. That's it. So it was kind of true. So that's kind of just, you know, th those were the best ones. That's great, man. And you got to win the tag team titles and you couldn't have asked for better opponents at uh, Ground Zero in your house in 1997 and you beat the Godwins, LOD and British Heart, uh, British Heart, British Bulldog and uh, Owen Hart. And we'll ignore Stone Cold's assistance, but the main thing is you got the pin as well. Yeah. What was that like for you? Um, you know, basically what's that like going backstage and like, holy shit, I'm a tag team champion um, so early yeah. on. It goes back to Cornette ties back into this also because, again, we weren't even supposed to be in that match. That match was supposed to be Dude Love and Stone Cold mm -hmm. because they were tag champs. But that's when Steve broke his neck. Oh, oh yeah, they were vacant titles. Yeah. So a week before the pay-per-view, they throw us in. That TV before the pay-per-view, they were like, look, he's not going to be here, so you guys are going to be in the pay-per-view now. We're like, awesome. We're in a pay-per-view. Like, mm. This is amazing. We're in a pay-per-view. So we were like, let's do it up. Let's do something different. So we actually went and we went to the thrift store and we bought wedding gowns and then we, we dyed them black. Like, you know, every time we were out there, we wanted to do something a little bit crazier, a little bit, especially a pay-per-view. had to be a little bit better. So, yeah, so we get to TV. It was in Louisville. We, we get to TV and Cornette says to us, guys, come on, boys, let's go. We got to take a walk. Okay. So he takes us all the way downstairs into the parking garage all the way to the back corner and we're like what, what are we doing down here this is kind of creepy now. what are we doing um he goes well i brought you down here i want to tell you guys something he goes i gotta have a discussion with you he goes i want to do it away from everybody we're like okay he goes you guys are winning tonight and we went what <laughs> like oh good one sort of thing He's like you guys are winning the belts tonight we're like are you, are you kidding this isn't funny and he goes no he goes, you guys are winning the belts. And we're like, oh, that's awesome. We kind of started like this. He goes, I brought you down here because I know how you guys are. Do it here so you don't do it in front of everybody. So the three of us started <laughs> jumping around and dancing. <laughs> we were dancing, we were screaming and yelling, and we were hugging. We were like, this is amazing. So we go back up, and now we're sitting in the room with the meeting with everybody. Mm -hmm. And um, Jack Lanza was our agent. And, you know, he was talking about, okay, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. And he's like, it's going to be headbangers with Owen and Davey Boy left. At that point, I'm sitting there like this. Because I had to hide holding the it in, Holding it in. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. So then the match, you know, we, we went through it and it was all done. And I was like, all right, cool. And everybody kind of walked out. And it was great because the Godwin stayed back in the room with us. And they turned around and they're like, you guys can smile now. We know how you are. Go ahead. So it was like... <laughs> 
Yeah, so it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. So Cornette ah, that's good, man. Time. Um, so again, it, it Cornette kind of ties back into everything. It was he his gimmick, he got us there, he told us. So, you know, it was all kind of goes together. And the pop that he got, man, it was, the crowd just went nuts. It was great. And that was literally the hottest period of wrestling. And I mean, I'm not going to be like, oh, wrestling's terrible now. And I still watch it. But I mean, like to win it in that period, in that year, just a special, special moment. Um, with the WWE Network having every raw moment from it, uh, history, have you had a chance to go back and look at your early days and WWE before you hit headbangers? Or have you found, um, have you watched anything back? and just thought, oh, that was really good, or oh, I wish I did that differently? Um, I watched some of it back. I'll go on, because um, they're streaming on Peacock now, so I get it through my, my cable system. Mm -hmm. um, even before, I went back, and I watched some of it. Um, a lot of it I have on tape. Um, I have on tape because I would tape, every time I was on TV, I taped it, whether it was an enhancement match, um, whether it was, you know, one of the Spiders matches. I had a camcorder. Like, I taped all of it. Um, and I would watch it all back. But no, I still go back and I'll reminisce. It's funny, my son's almost 17 and he'll come downstairs and he'll be like, what are you watching? I'm like, myself. He goes, what match are you watching now? I'm like, yeah, we won the tag belts or it's WrestleMania 13. He's like, haven't you watched that? And I'm like, yeah, I could watch it all day long. <laughs> ah, that's good, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's good. The, other side of, the other side of going back is there's certain things Glenn and I did because now when we do independence, you know, we still do a lot of indie shows, but we kind of mm. do the same thing because that's, we know that gets a big pop from the crowd. But every now and then we'll see something and we'll be like, oh, remember that? Yeah. Okay. Let's do that again tonight. So it's kind of different. Have you thought about the, the parody stuff that you did? Remember, like you used to, like you come out as like the, the dummy boys as a parody of the dummy oh. boys and uh, Main Street Posse as well. Um, just stuff like that. That was really fun. I mean, I sort of skipped ahead because there's a, a big part. One second. That's cool. I can't hear you with the dogs. No guys out front. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah. So parodies. I lost you. I lost you. The, the, the dummy boys. <laughs> That's us, right, mate? So uh, I sort of skipped ahead. Um, I actually will go back to that then. Actually, um, I was going to mention because you did mention me about working with the Rock and Roll Express, but I want to talk about you beating them uh, on Raw for the. Um, I think it was Raw, the NWA titles, uh, tag team yep. titles. I just want to know what was that like for you. Um, because I know you sort of said you grew up, but you was more sort of a Hogan warrior, savage. But was it a special moment for you still? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. It was kind. Of, it was really cool because, you know, I got a look. So I was in the Northeast. So the Northeast, you basically was all WWF all the time. You got very little. You got hardly any AWA stuff. Um, mm. You got a little bit of NWA stuff, and you got a little bit of world-class um, championship wrestling. So I knew Ricky and Robert. Um, I actually still have, I believe, the one magazine cover from Pro Wrestling Illustrated that they were on. But um, so, I mean, I knew them. I knew of them. Um, tenth grade, we took a family trip to Orlando to go to Disney World. Mm -hmm. and I'm standing at President's Hall waiting. And I look over and I'm like, oh, shit. My brother's like, what? I go, it's Ricky Morton. He goes, who's Ricky Morton? I'm like, from the Rock and Roll Express. I'm like, what do you mean? So I went over like a little kid. He took a picture with me, got his autograph. So when we went to Smoky Mountain, after I built the courage up and I built a little bit of rapport with Ricky and Robert, um, I told Ricky and I took the picture back. So I had the picture and when we were in Smoky Mountain, I actually had Ricky sign the picture for me from when I was like 14 or 15. Mm. Um, so to, to know their history 
and then to all of a sudden we're working an angle with them, you know, cause we, we worked a little bit with them down at Smoky mountain. Um, mm-hmm. but then to bring in and they're doing this whole NWA angle and Glenn and I didn't pay attention to storylines or angles or really what was going on. We always just kind of went to TV. Mm-hmm. We needed to do, all right, let's have a good time and let's go and do our thing. So they, the whole angle was, you know, the first match we wrestled with them, you know, we don't know NWA rules, so we throw one of them over the top rope and we get disqualified. And then to come back and win, and then again, so we win those, and there's Cornette involved in the finish again. No, it was awesome. And, you know, then we go rolling to WrestleMania up in Boston as the NWA World Tag Team Champions. So, yeah, so it was it, – it was awesome because, again, you know, even though we're, we're in WWF, it's still mm-hmm. like holding one of the most prestigious tag team titles in the history of wrestling. Absolutely. Uh, there is still history to that belt, even though you are still working for WWE, you know, as you said, like your name is still is now in the history books. Right. So it was, it was kind of funny, though, going through the airport when, you know, the, the TSA guys are opening your bag and they're like, wait a minute, aren't you guys with WWF? We're like, yep, but we're NWA World Tag Team Champs. It's just as good. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Belt to belt. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Babe Cleavage. Uh, I have to. I mean, as a kid, it sort of went a bit over my head, if I'll be honest. I was only like 9 or 10 at the time, so I was a bit like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's that mosh what's he doing so I didn't really get it so was being uh, always intended to be just a transition to you into Chaz and um, Mariana or was there sort of more actual plans for Beaver Cleavage no, it, was, it was there was an actual plan mm-hmm. uh, so the, the, the whole idea behind the gimmick was they were insinuating I was having sex with my mother where it was going um, <laughs> me talking about mother's milk and her holding the zucchini and how pussy loves zucchini and working on her knees. I mean, that's where it was going. My head was always buried in a bruise. Um, so that's where it was going. Yeah. And the vignettes were amazing. They're hysterical. They yeah, were maybe, quite funny. They were. Maybe the worst gimmick ever, but they were the best vignettes ever. So I don't really care what anybody says. Those vignettes were tremendous. So, yeah, so that was the storyline. That's where it was supposed to go. And then... Right around that time is when Owen had his accident. Um, Mabel yeah. left and she was filing sexual harassment charges. Um, all this other stuff started going on. So they just killed the gimmick. They were like anything that had any kind of sexual innuendos behind it, they kind of just squashed. Yeah, and, that'd be quite hard on the list, that one. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's how the gimmick got killed. Um, everybody's like, weren't you happy about it? And I'm like, I was working, I was mm-hmm. getting paid, I was in the ring, my head was buried in boobs every night. I mean, how, upset, lost from how else could I, how upset could I be? Um, and it was a fun gimmick, like it was a fun character. I mean, I'm supposed to be this big goofy kid. I'm still able to go down in the ring and laugh. Mm-hmm. So it would have been, I think it would have, I think if it was able to run its course, looking back, I think it would have taken me to a different level. I think mm. it could have been one of those gimmicks where like Hunter Hearst Helmsley transitioned into Triple H. Yeah. I don't know if Beaver Cleavage could have been that, but I mean it could have trans it could have transferred me into more of Chaz instead of what Chaz was when I was wearing smiley face boxer shorts. Because I didn't know what the hell was going on because I showed up at TV and they're like, this is what you're doing. 
and then show up next week at TV, and they're like, okay, you're just going to wrestle with Chaz now. And I'm like, the hell is Chaz? What does he wear? You're just going to be a kid from New Jersey who's just happy to be here. So I was like, oh, happy. I have smiley face boxer shorts I wear to bed. I guess I'll wear those in the ring. Like, that's what I had in my bag. So that's how I ended up wearing smiley face boxer shorts. And then it was transit. Then from there, it was, all right, well, Glenn's going to be coming back in the next few months. So we're going to do this really dumb storyline of you beating your, up your girlfriend, and we're going to transition him to come back in. Mm. So they had a plan, and I think if that plan was able to let to play out, I think it probably would have given me an out because I had never done singles before. I had always been tagging except for oh, – yeah, it didn't read us. Yeah. So I was excited about it. They didn't have any opportunity. Glenn was hurt, so he wasn't able to come back. I was just sitting home anyway. Mm. I think it would have transitioned into something good. Um, but it just didn't have a time to play out. Like, I think that would have really given me a lot of time to find myself as a singles wrestler and figure some things out. But it wasn't meant to be. So no big deal is what it is. No, that's fair, mate. I uh, I did want to ask that as well because, yeah, the allegation thing, then sort of, you have the GTV footage and then it's, you know, at best by the time Thrasher comes back, it's like, oh, it was all reviews. And, um, were you happy, personally, to be teaming up with him again? Or did you want to do the singles a bit more? Um, the only thing I wasn't happy about with him coming back was, and I've had this conversation with him, so I, I guess it's okay to talk about. So when Glenn hurt his knee, he just sat home, um, and didn't work out. He was way overweight when he came back. Mm -hmm. And Vince's thing always was, if you're off TV for a certain amount of time, you're expected to come back in better shape than when you left. So... I came back. If you look at those videos of me at Beaver Cleavage, I mean, I was probably a little too big, but mm -hmm. I was like 255. Before that, I was like maybe 230, 225, 230. So I bulked up. Um, looking back, I didn't do it the right way, but, um, you know, could have done it a little bit different. But anyway, Glenn came back like 285 with a big belly, not being able to move. He wasn't common. He was worried that he was going to hurt his knee again. And so... That part upset me, um, especially when he came back. That's right when the Hardys, the Dudley Boys, Edge and Christian were really getting rolling as a tag teams, as tag teams. Yeah. And their style and our style were, would have worked perfect together because our style was hard to work because we were working with the Godwins, even though we had great matches with them. You know, um, Billy and Road Dog, they had a different style. Like the Hardys, Edge and Christian, and the Dudley Boys – we could have had some great matches. Mm. And now here comes into WrestleMania and we're in a freaking hardcore battle Royal. And there's a TLC match going on for the tag team titles that we're not in. We're not even mm. thought. So that part made me a little bitter. Um, I was a little upset over that because just because I looked at it, it was like, we, we were at the top of the food chain with tag team wrestling and WWF. And yeah. as soon as he came back the way he did not being able to move, we went right to the bottom. I mean, to the very, very bottom. So that part kind of sucked. But, you know, again, it's one of those things. It is what it is and yeah. you can't change it. Um, but, yeah, I was a little bummed only because of, again, we weren't we weren't getting a push like I thought we were going to get. Yeah. And just sort of missed out on opportunities. But you still got TV time. And as you said, you still got to appear on WrestleMania. Um, can I just ask about the breast cones <laughs> that you um, wore to the ring? Because I remember Jerry Lord yeah. commentary was like, um, it, was, it ties back to 
it ties back to Glenn coming back and not being in shape. Mm. Uh, so we went, we weren't getting used. And then we started asking, like, what's going on? How come we're not being, and, you know, they came back and it was one of those things, like we came back and they didn't make a big deal out of it that we came back, which I, at first I, where I was kind of like, well, that's kind of shitty. There's other guys that were off for a while and they came back, they got like a big thing and um, like they made a bigger deal out of it when we came back in 2016 for SmackDown than when we were there. Yeah. So we went up to Vince and we're like, what's going on? Like, you know, we've got all this stuff going on with tag teams and you just have us, you know, doing stuff on Shotgun Saturday night. And he goes, well, he goes, you guys have kind of got lost in the shuffle. You got to do something to, to stand out. He goes, I don't know. He goes, why don't you come out with some cones or something? And we're like, cones? He's like, yeah, you know, like cones, like Madonna did. So we're like, are you kidding me? He's like, no. He goes, you guys are crazy. And, you know, you're not doing any of that stuff. So do something like that. So we went and bought like sports brows and stuffed them with stupid shit. And he's like, no, no, no. He goes, that's what I'm talking about. He goes, like big fuzzy cones. He goes, like Madonna, the, what she used to do. That's where the cones came from. Oh, okay. So it wasn't a tribute. Yeah. So May Young is Jerry Lord said commentary once. <laughs> no, no, it was more of a, I think it was more of a rip. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. What? I'm glad to hear that. That's a pretty good story. Um, so now I'm just thinking about the cones and the entrance. We both used to come. Um, so I need to, uh, <laughs> we're in my thirties and I'm just going back to my teens and just saying that. Sorry, mate. Um, cool, cool, man. So, um, so we're going to come to the run of the headbangers and WWE and just basically discuss about Lowdown as a tag team. Just before you did join with Tiger Ali Singh, um, you got paired with D'Lo Brown, just in case no one um, forgot or forgot. What was that like? Because you obviously just mentioned D'Lo earlier. Uh, were you excited to be team with D'Lo Brown? New opportunity, new tag team? Yeah, it just was awkward how it happened. <laughs> it's one of those things where it just happened to be D'Lo, Glenn, and myself walking by, or I don't know, we came from the gym or catering or something, and they just put the, the, the run sheet up for the night. And we're standing there, we're like, Lowdown versus Mean Street Posse. We're like, who the hell is Lowdown? Like, who's Lowdown? And they brought in a new tag team. Mm. Of course, I'm now thinking, oh, great, here's another tag team that's going to go above Glenn and I. And um, meanwhile, Shane McMahon walks by and he goes, oh, nobody told you guys? And we're like, no. They're like, oh, Chaz, you and D'Lo are Lowdown. And, uh, and we were all like, they're like, yeah, you're a new tag team. Meanwhile, the three of us were saying there, Glenn was right there. And we were like, um, and Glenn was like, what about me? And and Shane looks at him and he goes, yeah, he goes, we're going to send you back to Memphis. He goes, you get, like, you get back there and get back into ring shape. He goes, bring you back up and then we'll figure something out. Mm -hmm. And he walked away. And we were like, okay. Like a little bit of warning would have been nice because D'Lo and I were like, you know, gear wise, what are we going to do? We'd like to try and match and that's how we ended up with just the uh, pull-away basketball pants because that's what we had mm. in the back. Fish stripes, yeah. And, um, yeah, so we just kind of figured it out right there on the spot. And then when I'm good, it's one of those, again, one of those what-the-fuck moments as I'm walking, getting ready to go out to the mm. curtain. Bruce Pritchard looks at me and he goes, take your earrings out. I said, why do I have to take my earrings out? He goes, because you're Chaz now. He goes, you're not Mosh. Mosh has earrings. Chaz doesn't. We want nothing headbanger out there. And I went, so you just want me to go out there and be Chaz? He goes, yeah. And I go, who the hell is Chaz? 
I didn't know who Chaz was. Chaz was this happy kid from New Jersey who wore smiley face boxer shorts <laughs> here before that. Um, yeah, so it was kind of thrown on at the spot. And again, at the same time, it was good because I was excited. Like, okay, wow. So they're thinking enough of me to put me with D'Lo, who's always been used and always gotten a good push. Um, okay, so this is going to be great. But then I was disappointed because, all right, now I'm not with Glenn. And it was kind of it was kind of messed up the way they did it and told us. Mm. Um, but the most awkward part was the two and a half hour drive home afterwards with Glenn in the car after oh. we went out and had a match. Yeah. So it was kind of, uh, so I, again, I was kind of excited and upset at the same time. Yeah. Um, and he was just bummed the whole time. So it was kind of, it was kind of weird, mm. um, but mixed emotions. Absolutely. Yeah, but I was excited. I was like, okay, so here's a different opportunity. And again, they think enough of me to keep me around and put me with D'Lo and create this new thing. Like, this is going to be good. This is going to be fun. It's good. And I did, I, I like, like Lowdown because I was like sort of the undercard guys as well. And I, you know, I've, I know it's short-lived and we didn't really get to see it properly. And I did think it's a very strange fit with Tiger Lee's thing. How do you look back at that time? And how was it like to team with D'Lo Brown? And also was it sort of explained to you why you were wearing um, sort of the turbans as well? Um, it was just, we, they, they were spending so much money on Tiger Ali Singh. Mm. Um, his, and I love him to death, but his in-ring work was awful. Um, he, he was a good mouthpiece. They had us, so I figured, I guess they figured, hey, this would be good. And then they came up to us with the, the idea of wearing turbans. And the first outfits they gave us, we looked like freaking genies. It was awful. Um, the second outfits weren't so bad. And again, I looked at it this way. I'm getting paid. Mm -hmm. I'm on TV. Tiger Ali Singh was getting paid a boatload of money. So if they were going to put us with him, we were going to get a push because some way or another, they're going to get their money um, out of what they're paying Tiger Ali Singh. Yeah. Um, so it went, you know, I, we weren't, D'Lo and I, neither one of us were crazy about the turbans. We actually hated the turbans. But at the same time, you know, you're, we're being used. So, you know, stuff's going to come out of it. Pay-per-views are going to come out of it. Merchandise is going to come out of it. So you kind of look at the, you know, the silver lining, the positive side over the, the one big negative thing. Um, and then we did a match for Sunday Night Heat, and they did set it up to be a um, handicap match. It was the three of us versus the Dudleys. Uh, Bubba gave Tiger a clothesline over the top rope. Tiger hurts his neck. Oh. And, then, you know, that that's when it was over. They took – D'Lo and I off TV and we were like, they took us off the road and they're like, well, Tiger's hurt. So we were building the whole gimmick where Tiger felt disrespected by, you know, by the, by the Americans and D'Lo and I were like, no, you need to show him respect and blah, blah. So D'Lo and I started pitching, like put us on the road and we can still keep sending that message and just say mm. Tiger's not here because he refuses to come here because you guys aren't giving him the respect he deserves. Yep. We and you still get your heat as well. Going. And then our thought was we can keep the storyline going and eventually take these turbans and throw them, throw them out and get rid of them and, and start doing our own thing, you know, kind yeah. of, kind of um, evolve into something else while he's trying to heal. And hopefully, you know, if he wants months, we can create a whole different thing and go. But um, they're like, no, 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 just sit home. When he comes back, we'll um, – and, and um, never made it back to TV after that. I didn't. He did for a little bit, but I never made it back. And what was your thoughts when – WWF 
purchased WCW because you were still with the company at the time. Um, did you see it's a good thing? Or based on your thoughts, not necessarily what everyone else was thinking. No, my thoughts were it wasn't a good thing. And it wasn't a good thing for a couple of reasons. One, mm-hmm. my contract was expiring. Um, it was coming up right when they did it. So now they had all of these other guys and the contracts they were offering these other guys were not good contracts at all. Mm. So when my contract came up, they offered me that same contract that they were offering all these other guys. And I was like, I've been here, you know, full time for seven years, basically 10 years. I had two opportunities to leave, to go to WCW. And I didn't because you guys gave me my start. I love it here. Like, why do I, why would I want to leave? Mm. And this is what you're offering me. And they're like, yeah, it's nothing personal. It's business. So I was like, well, that, it's not going to work. Like, I, I, I won't be able to live like that. Um, or if they left me home and I wasn't on the road, I wouldn't get paid. Yeah. So it was bad. It was a bad contract. But anyway, that that's one thing that was bad. The other side it was bad was it took competition away. Because what made us so good during the Attitude Era was the fact that when it started, Kevin and Scott left. We, they left just as we got there, and they went to WCW. WCW was whooping our asses in the ratings. Our goal was to beat them. Mm-hmm. We were in the locker room. We were a collective team, and the whole goal was to beat their ass, was to, was to beat them. And so that, that was gone. There was, there was no one to beat anymore but ourselves. And it was like the, competi- the competitive side of it just disappeared. So I think that's what was bad. And I, after that, it kind of ratings started kind of dropping because it was like, you know, you got Shane running another company against his dad. It was, it, it turned kind of, in my opinion, it turned kind of hokey, mm-hmm. um, but took a lot of the competitive edge out of it. And then it made it more competitive in the locker room where guys were fighting to have a spot. Like during the attitude hour, when we were competing against WCW, no one cared what your spot was. You didn't care. You didn't fight to get a better spot. You knew your role. You went yeah. out there and did it to, to get the older the other guys over to help them make money, which was going to help us make money. Everyone knew and everyone worked together. It suddenly was cutthroat and everybody was looking out for themselves, which changes the dynamic of everything. You can't, as a company, grow and get better when everyone's just worrying about themselves. You're not worrying about the company as a whole. <laughs> uh, I mean, as a fan, and I'm not just saying it for brandy points or brand as new, I do feel I do agree. I just feel it was hokey. No one believed it. We all we all knew it was WWE of F at the time. Right. So no, I, I do agree. So to wrap this up, and it, I've really enjoyed this by the way. Uh got big smiles on my face, it's been really good. Uh just like to um speak about when you wrestled the <laughs> When you speak, uh, when you wrestled the, so I just lost my words and trying to talk, go back. Right. When you wrestled the Briscoe brothers in Ring of Honor, uh, you mentioned it earlier with Jim Cornette bringing you in. I just want to know what was Ring of Honor like for you? Um, that was great because, again, it was, um, what happened was is Glenn hadn't been around um, and him and I hadn't really done anything for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, he moved down to Florida and then he was like, hey, I want to start doing shows again. So we figured... Let's try to get one more run somewhere, anywhere. So we started doing YouTube videos of just challenging whoever had the tag belts. And again, just being us, doing parodies, doing the silly stuff just to kind of get noticed. Um, So yeah, so Cornette was like, hey, I want to bring you guys in. He brought us in. And then 
we had all these great matches with the Briscoe brothers and there was talks of us, you know, signing on and staying longer. And then Cornette left. Cornette left Ring of Honor and then <laughs> they never called us back. <laughs> it was like just all of a sudden it was gone. It was like, okay. And they were like, and then we heard through the grapevine that Hunter, the guy that was running it with Cornette was like, he didn't like stars that were already established. He wanted the whole point of Ring of Honor was to, you know, grow and build stars. Mm. But now, if you look at it now, it's like it, it, it doesn't make sense at all. But wrestling them was great. Um, they're really good guys. They, they were a lot of fun to work. And, you know, they, they were willing to do anything, um, just like we were willing to do anything in the ring. And, I mean, hell, the one of them, let me suplex him off the, off the ring abrams directly onto the floor. So, um, yeah, so it was fun. Ring of Honor, it was great to go back and get that little bit of exposure again and stuff like that. So it was, it was a blast. That's great, man. I really like the Briscoe as well. Very good, solid tag team. And you don't really see yeah. much of them these days. Um, so, Thrash yourself, you've returned to a WWE SmackDown about five years ago. Uh, you did a couple of matches. Uh, Whether there are talks of it being more of a long-term deal, uh, potentially helping um, with the young talent in NXT? There was, um, I had a couple conversations with Devon about the possibility of, it was very rough conversations about he's about coming back and maybe doing like a, a road agent sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but to be honest with you, I'm not interested in, back then I was on the road 250 to 300 days a year. I was single. I had no responsibility. Um, when I went back then in 2016, my son was 12, um, plays travel soccer. Um, we did some father and son things through a father and son organization through the YMCA. I didn't want to be away. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the guys that Glenn, when we first went away, his daughter wasn't even, a, his oldest daughter wasn't even a year old. Um, so, you know, he missed birthdays. And I'll never forget, there was one time we were sitting in Montreal and Billy Gunn was sitting there and he was all bummed out. And I'm like, Billy was wrong. He's like, yeah, he goes, Colton hit his first uh, home run tonight, and I'm sitting in Montreal, Canada, and I didn't get to see it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, so we're still going out tonight, right? Like, it meant, it meant nothing to me because I didn't understand it. But yeah. having a kid now, I didn't want to be on the road. So I kind of X'd it right off the bat, and I'm like, you guys want me to come back up and do some spots here and there like this? I'm all for it, but I, I don't want to be back full time. And then what I do now and I've been doing for 19 years is basically I pimp copiers. I sell office equipment. Been doing it for 19 years. I love it. I, it's different every day. Um, mm. I'm home. I make good money. But if I would have went back, say, let's say we went back and signed a three-year deal. And then after the three-year deal was over, I would have had nothing. I would have came back to, I would have had to start, like, figure something out all over again. So yeah. I'd be interested in going back and doing stuff here and there, but as far as full-time, yeah, it's nah. not something I really want to do. Because, yeah. like, I didn't realise until sort of, until I got a bit older, started reading a bit more, but you only, like, literally, in like, you're quite young in WWE and WF in your run. Um, I think by the time you did leave, you weren't, I mean, I might be wrong, but you'd only just turned 30 or you'd only, or just before. So... Um, it, I left in 02. Yes, I was 31. I was, I was yeah, I was like 30, 31. Like still quite young, so like, and then now you said like you've been doing that for nineteen years. You've got a family, but you're still able to do some shows. You know, you get to select, you get to be your own booker, basically. You know, um, yeah. So now Glenn and I, it's great because Glenn and I do shows. Um, 
it was funny a couple weeks ago we did a, sh a show on a friday and a show on a saturday and i was like wow i don't remember being this sore after getting out of the ring we're like oh wait we just did it two nights in a row like we're not used to that um <laughs> no it's great like we get to do the conventions now but we still get in the ring and i get the i get the itch i'm able to get in the ring i scratch it i have a good time and then i come back home so and, it, and i don't miss anything um you know at home because mm. i hate missing my son you know my son's going to be 17 now next month so I don't miss anything because I, if, if there's an event with him, then I say no to the booking. If I have nothing yeah. else going on that weekend, then I say yes to the booking. So I get to pick and choose. So it makes it we don't we don't have to do it. We yeah. do it because it's fun. We do it a lot of times. I'll say to the guy, the, whoever's promoting it, or the booker, whoever promoter, be like, so who else is on the show? And if there's no one I know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm busy. I can't make it. But if there's someone I know or someone I, want to ha I haven't seen, I'm like, nope, count me in. Like, I want to be there. That's one of the things I love about conventions is we get to see everyone. We just did one in New York uh, a couple months ago. And, you know, big shows there. Shamrock's there. Um, Luke Gallows is there. Uh, Mark Henry was there. So, you know, we get to go back and see all these guys that we haven't seen in ages. It just makes it, it, makes it more fun. That's cool, man. And I, I hope you do get to come over here as the headbangers uh, to the UK um, one day. But um, I basically want to thank you for coming on today. Um, it's been a great interview. So thank you very much. Uh, one last question, and I'll let you enjoy the rest of your day. For me, it's quarter past 12. Irrelevant. And uh, <laughs> if you could pick one tag team, past or present, uh, one that the headbangers never wrestled, uh, who would you pick and why? Simple. Midnight Express. Good choice. Simple. Um, and one of the reasons is obviously it's somebody I watched. But when we went to Smoky Mountain, Cornette gave us a tape. And he said, I want you guys to go home and study this tape. And we're like, okay, we had no idea what it was. It was all Midnight Express. Mm -hmm. um, and then he said, I want you to take this tape. He goes, you guys do some, some really great stuff. He goes, but take their stuff and make it you. So we got a lot of things out of that tape from watching their matches mm. um, and tweaked it and made it us. Um, so there would be two guys that just would be great to, been, to, to have been able to go back and wrestle because everyone else I watched, the other team would probably be Demolition, go back and work Demolition. Like that would be awesome because we, we see those guys at conventions all the time and they're great. And, you know, they, they say that to us all the time. They're like, dude, if we – he goes, you realize how bad we could have torn it down if we were able to actually, you know, back in our day and in your prime and we're going to go. And we joke around all the time. We're like, there, there's a promoter somewhere that will book us in a match. <laughs> and they're like, we can't get in the ring and do it. I'm like, yeah, yes, you can. We can get in there and do it. <laughs> I'd happily watch that. I'm not going to lie. Well, thank you for this today. Uh, thank you for spending time uh, on my show, What You Call It Podcast. Uh, hopefully next time we can do this in person. But for no, now, but for now, I hope you stay safe and uh, take care. Thank you.